technical difficulty break, I thought about how hilarious it would be. What about how you were like, we were on the free here of like, it'd be hilarious if while recording a podcast, like inserted ads, like Wendy's come for spicy nuggets, like while like right in the middle of a sentence, it could just like blurt in with a with a free with an ad, and they're like, it's, don't remove this when you post the podcast, <laughs> or, or you'll be in breach of your contract. It'll be like, uh, man, man, I don't know what Jerry was there. Oh, 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 O'Reilly <laughs> Auto Parts. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And we just have to sit here and wait for it to be over. And I was like, it okay, ha- what I was saying. Before- it happens in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, dude, from Zencaster, violent insertion of ads. Oh, no. <laughs> violent we're, ad we're, insertion. We're just talking, and then, like, it, 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 it mutes or it lowers our mics, <laughs> but keeps them on. So the ad is playing l- louder than full volume, and you just hear us go, God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe even better, they don't even tell you when they do it. So, like, you you know, you, we're still talking, and then, like, a spicy nugget had played. And it's like, well, so, but anyway, so I think that was, uh, that's basically my hypothesis of the whole thing. Jeez. No one heard that. Again, not to give me ideas, but. All right. Uh, we're five minutes earlier than normal, so you ready to get going? Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, we got hopefully not a long show today. <laughs> Yeah, we, we will see. We'll see. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season seven premiere, season seven, episode one, The Engagement. But before that, uh, here is the homework I was able to slap together in the last. <laughs> so we normally start at like 1030 on, on a Sunday. But and my but my wife is like, well, we want to go with the kids. So start earlier. And I was like, OK, fine. How about 10? I'll see if Ted can do 10. <laughs> and now it's 1025 and we're finally getting going because I hadn't done any homework during the week because you know just whatever i got busy and so here's what i was able to slap together from last week and the season six finale the understudy uh first of all we wanted to know more about beaches you've never seen it i've never seen it it's from 1988 and of course it has bet midler in it uh-huh. and here's what it's about when new york child performer cc bloom and san francisco rich kid hillary meet in a holiday resort in atlantic city It marks the start of a lifetime friendship between them. The two keep in touch through letters for a number of years until Hillary, now a successful lawyer, moves to New York to stay with struggling singer Cece. The movie shows the various stages of their friendship and their romances, including their love for the same man. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who else. Oh, Barbara Hershey is the other woman in it. I don't know. Let me see. So Bette Midler, I'm going to guess, plays the singer. and Barbara (laughs) Hershey plays the one that does not sing. That's my guess. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, uh, Maya Bialik. Maya Bialik is also in it. She must have been very young. Oh yeah, that uh, must have been she, like when she was like a kid, maybe a teenager. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how old she is. Actually, I'm kind of surprised. She's 44 now. Wow. Um, so she was born in 70. Yeah, I know. Uh, she just looked very young for her whole life, I guess. So she was uh, 13. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Directed by Gary Marshall. Uh, it's also got John Hurd, Spalding Gray. I don't know who that is. So. The, it was a commercial success, grossing $59 million at the box office, despite generally negative reviews from critics. I think it was basically just like overwrought and cliche. And But I mean, that, that just works sometimes, you know? It seems like maybe the, the biggest budget and most successful Hallmark movie of all time, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a bad... Maybe that's a bad because Hallmark usually has well they, it, there is romance but it's more about the romance between the women and I feel like that's not the focus of Hallmark movies so I don't know what movie I know Lifetime did a remake of this so maybe it's a better Lifetime movie than a Hallmark movie I think that's what I'll sit on <laughs> that's where that's where I'll stand so are you interested in Beaches Ted I have zero interest <laughs> yeah I, I I couldn't care less <laughs> if I never see it it'll be too soon. <laughs> 
don't know about that, but I, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely uh, definitely not going to go rent it for sure. Yeah, I have about a billion other things on my list that I want to get to before beaches. Mm-hmm. So Same. sorry to burn beaches. I don't know why I'm so why I'm so sports earth. <laughs> Just doesn't sound like my kind of movie. Uh, let's learn about the Reverend Sun Myung Moon, who Frank had an audience with when he sold religious artifacts uh, in Korea. Uh, Sun, it's actually Myung, so M. Y-U-N-G, but so some young moon uh, who died in 2012 at the age of 92, a Korean religious leader, obviously also known for his business ventures and support for political causes, I think, uh, including reunification of Korea, hmm. uh, a messiah claimant. So I guess he claimed he was a, a messiah and he founded the unification movement, members of which considered him and his wife to be their true parents and also widely noted their blessing or mass wedding ceremonies that would take place there's a pretty long article about him but basically that's uh that's the gist of some <laughs> young moon that's the long and short and, <laughs> yeah uh and we wanted to know about surprisingly there's very little in my two-minute search that i could find of what frank is actually saying in korean um so a lot of like there was of course a thread about it on the seinfeld subreddit maybe there were there were a few and most of them were like i don't speak korean but it sounds like gibberish i'm like because you don't speak Korean, Jesus you idiot. Christ! Why would you? Yeah, I don't speak Korean, but it doesn't sound like anything to me. That you don't see how those two things might be connected. <laughs> it's like, hey, teachers of Reddit, what, what's the what's your least favorite thing uh, that one of your kids does? Well, I'm not a teacher, but I fucking hate it when my kid does this. I'm like, didn't ask you, dude. Yeah, not a stripper, but blah 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 blah. It's like whatever the ask Reddit is, it's like millions of stories from people who are. Well, I'm not. That's our first sentence. Yeah, and, or it's the it's it's also the equivalent of like um, uh, Amazon will send out these emails and they're very personal and that's how they get people to do this but you know they send them to every single person who's ever bought this product and then later on you'll get an email that's like hey user Ted Hollowell has a question about this product does it come in blue or is it is it as red as it looks in the picture or whatever and and the person thinks they're sending Amazon wants my opinion only they said they've asked a question and they want my answer only like no they sent it to everyone who ever bought that thing but so so you'll get answers like this I don't know I didn't buy it Like, uh, I don't know, it was a gift. I gave it away. Like, don't answer. You don't have to answer the question. I know Amazon <laughs> writes it like, like it, hey, they have a question. Can you help? The, if like, it's no, don't click the link. There is not a gun to your head. You don't have to answer this question. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the equivalent on that Reddit thread of people saying, I don't speak Korean. Like, well, don't. <laughs> okay. But someone, so someone actually helped and said, so my Korean is very basic. But I think the phrase he's going for might be, nani nam jarul shira and there is like the thing at the end and that is essentially i hate this guy hmm. and frank says what he's saying is this guy i don't this is, guy is not my kind of guy or something like that hmm. so yeah that, okay that's the best guess i was able to find on the internet and it's actually so he doesn't know korean frank uh, jerry stiller does not know korean so he <laughs> had to learn his korean lines phonetically and so the line, this is not my kind of guy, whether he's actually saying that in Korean or not, that is taken from a bootleg tape of jazz musician Buddy Rich laying into his band. And it's not the first time that we've heard a line from that in the opposite when George is doing the opposite of what he would do. So, for instance, the guys are like making noise during the movies and normally he would pussy out. But instead he stands up and he says, we're going to take it outside and I'm going to show you what it's like. 
that's also from the Buddy Rich bootleg tape. So I guess it must have been, you know, it's one of those like popular, it was like one of those viral things that went around before the internet. You know, you'd get a tape of it somehow. And yeah, and now it's on YouTube, of course. But um, I, I think I listened to a morning radio show that used to play it a lot because it is funny, you know, hearing him go off on his band members and say stuff like, we're going to take it out, like just dumb, angry stuff in the moment. We're going to take it outside. And I'm going to show you what it's like. Stuff that doesn't make sense. But like, just ba- anytime, you know, it's, it was like one of the one of the first early public meltdowns. Yeah, just basically like uh, the same thing is like bill o'reilly's do it live yeah bingo yeah any 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 of those type of videos always are great but so this was one of the first ones that like you had to listen to on a cassette or whatever that you got from a guy at work you know just very weird so um I, i'm gonna go with this random internet person's uh korean phrase and say i hate this guy was probably what frank was trying to say but we may never know because he wasn't actually speaking korean he was just uh kind of saying syllables that they hoped would would be put together if i find any more about that later i might uh come back and revisit that (laughs) we want to know a little bit more about jay peterman i've never i'd never heard of the country a company before seinfeld uh, and i still have never actually seen a real life catalog Uh, but the jay peterman company is an american retail company that sells clothing fashion accessories now they they went into furniture uh later on in their uh, tenure as a company primarily through catalogs now the internet founded by john peterman in 1987 and its headquarters is in Blue Ash, Ohio. And they printed their first catalog mm. in 1988. And it offered distinctive lifestyle merchandise, including reproductions of antique clothing and clothing worn in specific films. In fact, uh, one thing that, that got them out of bankruptcy much later in the, their existence was they made all the clothes for Titanic. And then they also got the rights to reproduce the outfits from Titanic for purchase. So like they sold like clothes and hats and, and shirts and stuff that were, were in the movie, like, uh, you know, reproductions and stuff. So if you want to do your Titanic cosplay, I guess Jay Peterman is like where you want to go. Well, I mean, looking um, looking at the site last week, it definitely looks like something that a Titanic cosplayer would buy all of their clothing from. <laughs> and yeah, I, I yeah. know like uh, we both found like that $500 fedora. Yeah. And we were wondering like, what is up with like the story aspect of like both Jay Peterman and Elaine like really describing the article? And Tim, the five hundred dollar yeah. fedora also has a story. I would expect nothing less. Did you did you by chance read this? I, I did not. How long is it? Uh, it it's like it's just two paragraphs. Uh, it starts <laughs> off how to tell a good story. You can start by wearing this wild hair fedora. You need not utter even a single word. You will, however, have to get an Instagram account to keep tabs on the lore you've created because you'll undoubtedly end up in other people's pictures, on trains, in pubs, on obscure cobblestone streets perfectly shadowed by gas lamps. The man in the fur felt fedora. Charisma endures. Fur felt fedora number 6044. Great on men and women. Actually, the fedora was originally a women's hat. Painstakingly handmade in Covington, Tennessee by two men who used the same equipment milliners used in the early 1900s. Satin ribbon band on the outside. Leather band on the inside. Hat is lined in hand-picked satin. Unconventionally handsome. Creates its own story. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. I don't like them saying Instagram. That takes me out of their... It kind of does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it takes me out of the 1920s aesthetic they're trying to create. Don't say Instagram. (laughs) You're going to be in so many Instagram photos. Really? I guess those accounts like, you know, J. Peterman fashion, at J. Peterman fashion or whatever. (laughs) Like, people of J. Peterman catalog. Oh, no. Instead of people of Walmart, it's people of J. Peterman. And it's just everyone looking like they're about to go on the Titanic. Yeah, uh, everyone looking like they're uh, at a party where Harrison Ford's going to drop through the ceiling and... (laughs) Uh, and beat up some Nazis or something. Um, 
Yeah, so that's what they became famous for right away. And the, the catalogs were in black and white and featured drawings of the clothing at first. Really? Huh. Yeah. I'm okay. like, I can't believe you didn't go bankrupt <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Like oh you know what we're gonna, you know what we're gonna do we're gonna make a, cat- a clothing catalog oh so probably like glossy and color pictures and like lots of angles no one picture black and white pencil drawn like what oh my gosh <laughs> all right so yeah here's here's some more of their distinctive literary styles like for a French farmer shirt when a man puts on this authentic French farmer shirt he may very well find that his hands look bigger is that <laughs> woman over there giving him the eye and nodding toward the haystack yes and he knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> enter the new woman rebellious out there living life on her own terms feels like a whisper in silky crinkly georgette which could be the only thing about it that whispers that's for a flapper dress that was in the J. Peterman catalog. I, I feel like I feel like this is a good game waiting to happen. Like, read the J. Peterman description, and you have to decide like what article of clothing it's talking about. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, maybe for one of our uh, Christmas bonus episodes or something. Maybe this Christmas. That's what we can do. We can play the J. Peterman game. We'll have to play it with the down voter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he has to come back. I can't wait to see what we're gonna watch. <laughs> Because we we pretty much we we scraped the bottom of the barrel with our first one, and then we watched Jingle all the way, and uh, yeah. So what is it well, going to be next week? It, it'll, next next time it'll have to be Jingle all the way too with Larry the Cable Guy has no Seinfeld connection no. whatsoever. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, so during the '90s, the J. Peterman catalog attracted attention from celebrities like Oprah, Tom Hanks, Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, who I feel like is perfect. When I think J. Peterman fashion, I think Paul Newman. Yeah, honestly, that's, that pops right into my head. Uh, and from '95 to '98, Seinfeld parodied the owner in the company with Elaine working at the catalog under eccentric, eccentric businessman and world traveler J. Peterman, played by John O'Hurley, who we met in the last episode. The show lawyers approached the real John Peterman after the first episode, and he got to review each script before it aired interestingly huh. enough yeah i don't know why i guess he wanted to because there's some there's some funny i mean it's a parody but he must have just had like a good sense of humor and hell like people like me who never would have heard about it any other way now know what jay peterman is even though i'm probably never going to order anything or whatever but um it definitely got his name out there and th- but there's some funny stuff where it's like i'm glad that jay peterman the real jay peterman didn't go oh come on don't say that i do that i don't want to <laughs> went like oh no that's funny go ahead yeah it's all good but here's, interestingly enough, it says that same year. I don't know what they mean by this, either 95 or 98, but that same year, the J. Peterman Company posted a $400,000 loss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's whether it's when they started and that happened, because if that was the case, I, I would venture to say he probably wouldn't have allowed his likeness to be used. But if in 98, like after 98, then they lost half a million dollars, like that kind of makes sense. You know, it's like after the public after the f- free publicity died down, people were like, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> I, I mean, and so they went. Yeah, maybe, maybe, of, maybe yeah. people just like forgot what Jay Peterman was since it wasn't on TV all the time. Yeah, totally. And 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 then they went through like some bankruptcy, and someone bought them, and then they bought themselves back. And actually, in <laughs> April of 2016, they launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for new product development, and I think to actually pay off some old debt, which is kind of crazy that anybody <laughs> contributed to something like that. <laughs> but one of the products that I guess you could get as a Kickstarter is, um, and you're not going to get this reference yet, Ted, but the Urban Sombrero, which is something that will pop up. Uh, later on, as Elaine Bennis continues her work at the J. Peterman catalog, so um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember hearing about that Kickstarter, but it happened. 
Uh, I did not do any work about the Car- uh, the Nancy Kerrigan saga because everybody knows what it is. Blah yeah. blah blah. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I should tweet this out. I kept a. It was in my time hop today, and I'm like, how weird is that? Um, but when I was going through boxes before my last move, I found a bunch of uh, newspapers that I had saved for some reason. And I was like, oh, these are going to be big deal one day. Like, oh, uh, when uh, Cal Ripken broke the most, you know, he, he played over 2,000 games without missing one. Um, Nixon is dead at 81. I don't know why I <laughs> picked that one. Um, oh, the, the Branch Davidi, for some reason, I kept that one. Um, I don't know why. I guess I thought, not that they'd be worth money, but just that, like, they'd be cool to have. I always liked when I found old newspapers mm-hmm. and I was like, well, yeah. this headline, like, we know everything about it now, so. <laughs> um, but one of the ones I saved was let me see I don't know if I can even see the year of this one I'll have to open it up in actual Facebook and the the headline is skater's husband in on attack <laughs> and so obviously it has to do with the yeah the whole Kerrigan saga oh my god and you you had this one you saved this one personally or yeah January 13th 1994 yeah I oh saved it oh my god and <laughs> Harding's bodyguard. What I can't read the subheadline. Harding's body. Damn it. Harding's bodyguard also implicated for his role in Kerrigan beating. Officials say. Yeah. So it is kind of funny that you know Jerry doesn't look much like Jeff Galuli, but George definitely looks like the bodyguard guy. <laughs> Whatever his name way, was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Harding and I don't remember Eckhart something. I can't tell. Uh, yeah, but George I, I, was definitely it, was has it Sean that, like, Eckhart? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right about that. <laughs> um, so, funny, yeah, funny I, I how think that's kind of a funny... You remembered the last name. I remembered the first name. And together, no, we I got didn't it. Remember that. No, I remember it. No, it, it was... It, only the last name was in the caption of the photo. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, here's some more uh, trivia. We, we, we said we were going to do a kiddie pool dive, in, a headfirst dive into that. And so, there you go. That's, that's that, it. That counts. That's it. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were remarking that there was no stand-up routine at the beginning of the season six finale uh, and a stand-up routine was filmed for the intro but deleted before broadcast because it went long so that, mm-hmm. that's what they decided to ditch yeah uh, though it originated with writer Marjorie Gross contemplating what would happen if a celebrity were injured at one of the charity softball games that Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld participated in the Bette Midler Janice Graham story arc was developed to do a parody of the Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan scandal of course and Janice's breakdown when her laces come undone, references Harding's bootlace incident at the 94 Olympics. And we kind of referenced all that at the end of uh, the episode. And the character Jay Peterman debuted in this episode, as we mentioned. So the Jay Peterman company catalog was being delivered to the Seinfeld office. And Larry and Jerry had no idea why, but they would look through it and they would laugh at all the elaborate stories that were crafted into the catalog's descriptions. <laughs> and that's why they created the character. So uh, there, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. They they accidentally delivered themselves into prominence for three seasons. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that, like, why wouldn't you just send free catalogs to a television studio? You know, like, oh, there's rich people and there's celebrities. And and so I guess it, it makes sense as a as a business model. Oh, yeah. Back in the days before, like any sort of junk mail legislation, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many, like, BSW catalogs or, or like, Crutchfield catalogs I've thumbed through, like, in the halls here just because they're laying around. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll look at, like, broadcast studio equipment in my in my <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes of spare time i have like what am i yeah. gonna buy what 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 am i gonna buy out of bsw other than like a pair of <laughs> headphones or maybe a podcast microphone like i'm not gonna buy like a studio console or like a board yeah. with 30 faders on it 
Yeah, you never know. You <laughs> might want to build the best podcast studio. Oh my god! In the B- world. Build a build a fucking Mark Marin studio in my garage <laughs> with a, with a professional yeah. board and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jack White from the White Stripes is having a. Well, I mean, he, he sort of is. Third Man Records is having an auction right now, and one of the things is well, like one of those old style like um, that has the knob potentiometers on it the knob faders and it's like a broadcast board like the kind that i used when i was in college radio yeah and i'm like oh i want that but i don't know what i do with it i'm not starting a radio station (laughs) it's also probably what nine thousand dollars probably i haven't even checked on the auction uh it's it's such random stuff like ripped office chairs and but i mean you (laughs) can literally say like oh i own jack white's office chair you know so i mean that's that is kind of literally what they're banking on yeah yeah (laughs) there's a five cd changer and mine broke when my stereo um shelf collapsed uh, a couple well last year or whatever and there's a five my five cd changer broke and you can't really buy those anymore but they have one up on that auction site i'm like oh man i just it would be cool to have a five cd changer again and i would have jack white's five cd changer the 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 fact that it was owned by jack white is an afterthought <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i really just need a five disc changer and you can't really buy them anymore <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's a bunch of weird stuff up there. Uh, okay, so that's all I have for trivia and homework and tidbits and stuff like that. All right, any other news or anything? I do want to say I got a targeted Instagram ad this week for the very first Seinfeld subscription box. I did not what? venture any further into the advertisement, but if you are into subscription boxes and you have been just jonesing for one that is right <laughs> up your alley, I don't know what's going to be in it, but maybe like probably, I guess probably like Funko Pops and... Seinfeld stocks. That's usually the kind of stuff that's in those. Are there are there Seinfeld Funkos? I want to say there have to be, but I mean, I it, have no it idea. Feel, it feels like they have licenses with every like IP in the entire world, but I've never seen them. Let me see. No, actually, I. Oh wait, well, are those mock-ups or are they? Let's see. Oh, they they did make vinyl idols. Mm, okay. So Funko didn't make. Yeah. So not not Fun- name brand Funkos. Well, they're not Funko Pops, but they are Funkos. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So someone but someone on um, Funko Pop subreddit said, whatever happened to the Seinfeld line? It was announced two years ago, and the last I heard that Funko was waiting on Jerry to allow his character to be, ma- to be made, uh, <laughs> and this was posted three years ago. So that mm. means the Seinfeld Pops were five years ago at this point. Yeah, so I guess maybe instead they went that Vinyl Idols route, but I don't even know. It looks like they have a Jay Peterman, and they have a Kramer. There's a Newman. But no Jerry. Um, no, no Jerry, I don't think. Wow. Yeah, the Newman one looks pretty good. Oh, there's, uh, who's that? That looks Jay Peterman. Um, oh, 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 Putty. There's a Putty one. <laughs> That's cool. With or without the face paint? Without the face paint, but he's wearing a, a jacket that is, uh, we're going to see later on. Okay. Yeah. So I, I can't tell how many how many dolls there actually are, but there are Seinfeld. So that's probably going to come in one of the boxes. <laughs> They'll probably spread those out. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. it, it'll be like those uh those dumb uh seinfeld shirts or that we saw that one time or or, oh, or like yeah. or like just uh. a plain white mask that says no soup for you across the mouth <laughs> yeah in comic sans in comic sans god damn <laughs> uh so yeah that's um, uh, if i find any more I, I didn't click the ad because i didn't really feel like it at the time <laughs> but it did say it's on the way so you still have time to get in on that first one <laughs> and maybe it'll be worth as much money as my first issue of Maxim Magazine one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so so no. Oh, wait, do, before we get into the the spiel, do we want to put a button on season six? Yeah, with yeah, our let's top do it. Episodes. Okay, so okay. how many how many top episodes did you have? I, I know we've tried to do a top five before, but then it it became like a top eight. I was able to narrow it down to to seven, but if needed to narrow it down to five, there's two that I'm willing to get rid of. Well, let's hear your your read them in the order of like what you would put in your top five. And once again, they they don't have to be in order to me because I didn't order um, mine. I'm just going to flip this is, and do it in chronological order. Th- this is in, in uh, not uh, order of what I think it is is best, but this is in chronological order through season six. Um, I had uh, the big salad, the gymnast, the soup, the switch, the doodle, the fusilli Jerry, and the face painter. Uh, again, like a, a lot of those coming later on in season six, but if I needed to to lose two of those to to knock it down to a top five episodes, um, I I would be willing to get rid of the doodle, and I would be willing to get rid of one of the David Putty episodes because uh, I I don't, I don't think I need both of them in there, but I would probably get rid of the Fusilli Jerry and and keep the face uh-huh. painter. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so my uh, first favorite of season six came in very early, and it was the Pledge Drive, season six, episode three. I love that one because uh, I love Uncle Leo, and it's a, it's a great Uncle Leo episode. Uh, so the Pledge Drive, and then the Gymnast, that was on mine as well. That was a funny one. I had a question mark next to this one. So this one will be probably my, um, what do they call Honorable mention. This one will be the one I need to lose if I, if I need to. The Race. Mm. I think I had a good time during the race. But I wasn't sure. Yeah, I was. I thought about that one, but I again, I I also wasn't wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, uh, let me see. Then I liked the label maker. That one was funny to me. Then oh man, I don't know. Then highlights of a hundred. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Then I had a long break. I might even just I might top out at five. I wasn't. I was being very hard on season six. Then the Fusilli Jerry. So that one was mine too. Uh, then oh, the face painter. Okay, and that's it. You weren't a. Yeah, you weren't so a, I think that's. You weren't a soup switcher doodle guy. No, I, I didn't. I didn't star them. Wow. Okay. I mean, hey, to each his own. Yeah. I'm, yeah. They were. They were fine episodes. But I guess I'll just. So was that? I, I wasn't even counting. Were you counting? Uh, I think felt like five. I, I think you had five. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Okay, so is there any any other news or anything before I get into the, the rest of the spiel? I don't think so. Okay, we do have two items in Newman's mail sack, but we will unzip that at the end of the show, as if the show uh, won't be long already. <laughs> uh, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. We like to assign our homework as we are going through the episode and uh, answer it the following week. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at nohugging or nohugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts uh, or any other podcast app. Uh, we just ask that you send us your mailing address uh, so that we know where to send you a free no-hugging, no-learning sticker. And uh, Christine, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I have not sent out your sticker yet. Uh, I just have been... Uh, putting off going to the post office. I will get that out as soon as I remember. 
Um, with that being said, Season 7, Episode 1, The Engagement. Again, the Season 7 premiere. Original air date, September 21st, 1995. I was two years, nine months, and one day old. And if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we have 66 episodes before we become a... What haven't we become yet? I don't know. Could we become like a Jay Peterman review, product review? Oh my God. We we, we become an old school uh, anchor store review podcast. Like reviewing like all the lines of like Sears and and Ames and Montgomery Ward. I was going to say Montgomery Ward. Yeah. Best. Best. Oh my God. (laughs) And, and you know what? We'll get, we'll get, we'll get into like all the stories of why modern retail is failing. Like look at Lord and Taylor. They just filed for bankruptcy. Oh yeah. Wow. You know, Best always cracked me up because Best was like a catalog you could walk through. Did you ever go into a Best store? I did not. So like they had, so the, you know, you go into the store and you see the item there and, but you, you couldn't pick it up and take it to the front. You had to like say, oh, I want that item that I saw over there, item number 21 or whatever. And they're like, okay. And then it would either come to you in the mail or it would, uh, um, they would, or they would have some stock, I think in the back that I seem to remember maybe like a conveyor belt or a roller, a roller thing, kind of like you could maybe get it that day. But it was, I felt like Jonah Hill in the eBay store, like, well, I just want to buy this right now. Can I have this? Like, no, you see, I, we don't have any of the items here. We just oh my can look at one God. item and then get it later. It was the weirdest concept for a store. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I could just buy it right now. No, I'm sorry. I know it's confusing, but it doesn't work that way, sir. <laughs> look, I, I, will, I just want these boots. I will give you money right now. <laughs> Like, no, no, I'm sorry. That's the way I remember it anyway as, as a kid. Maybe maybe my perception was warped, but I think that's what it was. Um, okay, so uh, we start not with a stand-up bit, just like the oh, wait, did, finale. We're not starting with a stand-up bit. Oh, what? Did, I, I think I forgot the description again. Oh, okay, hit us. So if you're looking at TV Guide the night of September 21st, 1995, you are going to see, in an effort to grow up, George proposes marriage to former girlfriend Susan. Oh, it gives away a lot. I think we're going to be able to do better. I think I, I already have an idea, but all right, we'll uh, we'll see if we can do that at the end. So we do not start with a stand-up bit, as I mentioned, but we do have a new logo. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, it's a it's a green, like a dark green oval, a peach font, yep. and a yellow triangle. Um, it, it it look it's better on the eyes than the than the season six one, I think. Yes, yes. I think that's why I think that's what makes it so good. Is season six was so awful, like anything's an improvement. Because I'm with you. I'm like, that shouldn't work, but I don't hate it. Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, I call it so peach. I, I like the, I like peach. I also wrote down coral and salmon. Mm, okay. I want to know the exact Pantone number of this text color uh, because it, yeah, it's, it, I was like, what is that? It's not pink. It's and peach is good. I, I totally agree with that. But those are the other words that I came up with as well. So um, yeah, it's it's a nice a nice new logo. I like it. And George, perhaps in a reference to season six's logo, which used a chessboard, didn't it? Didn't have like a checkerboard pattern on it. The season six one? No, uh, we yeah. haven't. We haven't gotten oh, to that one, one yet. That? Uh, oh, okay. We we haven't gotten well, to the checkerboard one yet. <laughs> it's not a throwback. It's foreshadowing. <laughs> He's playing chess with his girlfriend. And she beats him, despite him thinking he's confident that he won. And he breaks up with her immediately when she beats him. It is no stand-up scene at the beginning of the episode. The the new normal? Because there's two episodes in a row. The the season six finale and the season seven premiere. Do do we not get any stand-ups at the beginning of the episode anymore? 
I'm pretty sure we'll get more stand-ups. Okay, but is there going to be more of this, though? Because I, I don't know how I like this. You, per, you like the stand-ups? Kind of? I don't know. It's, um, yeah. it, it's just weird cutting right into the episode. Yeah, uh, it's like a cold open, and it's weird. Yeah. For a show that doesn't, doesn't trade in those. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll get more. It was probably just like with the season six finale. They were like, we have so much to get done in the season seven premiere that you know we, have to, we just have to lose something. And, it, and the stand-up, it does sometimes have something to do with the... And I like the original concept where it was going to be about whatever Jerry lived through that day. And, and so you know it sort of took place after the episode when he'd written jokes about what, what he did that week. And, but I, so I like that concept and I like the bookends. But yeah, it is, it is weird when they do this to us. I, but I think they'll be back probably next episode. Uh, over at Elaine's, she's being kept awake by a barking dog. And at Monk's, George is explaining to Jerry about how he was emasculated by his loss at chess. I mean, George's fragile masculinity. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, get a, we get some bad ADR for Jerry. Like, as they, as they cut to... They cut two Monk's, but they're not inside yet. Like you, you can tell it's ADR because the tone is totally different. Oh, I totally missed that. I didn't pick up on that. Like, I did pick up on some bad ADR later. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of it in this episode. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's this scene and the next one. Before they get into the building, you can tell that they recorded Jerry saying stuff outside of this scene. Wow. They must have really had to rush. They were like, all right, we got to get into the scene earlier. So run the dialogue over the uh, establishing shot. It might have been it. Might have been it. Because yeah, what what is what does Jerry say like at the very beginning here? He's like, "So you broke up with her because she beat you in chess." Yeah. And, yeah, and, and like it's, that. it's like and in that exact tone and then he cuts into like <laughs> talking at at his normal like Jerry pace and and speed and and uh, uh not not speed, um volume. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. And George also, so it's not, not only just being emasculated by losing a chess to a woman, God forbid, um, <laughs> but also that she liked using the phrase happy pappy when uh, she wanted to see if he was okay. <laughs> happy pappy. <laughs> and Jerry just broke up with someone because she shushed him while they were watching TV, <laughs> which is also hilarious because so George doesn't want to be dumber than the woman that he is dating. And Jerry is the most important whatever he has to say is more important than anything even what's on tv in that moment so the fact that she didn't want to hear that and was more interested in tv than what jerry was going to say about it Ugh. well that's an ender right that, there. that that's that's the that that's it like you you can't come back from that uh yeah but 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 jerry tells george like why don't you just tell her not to say happy pappy and <laughs> and george is like eh, I'm, I'm much more comfortable criticizing people behind their backs <laughs> yeah, yet another th thing I have in common with George. <laughs> uh, and Jerry and George, you know, George is talking about, um, it, you know, he just goes off on to the next thing. Like, you know, do you ever feel like you got a haircut, but you didn't? And Jerry, like, sighs <laughs> and, and just lets out an exasperated sigh. And they do a little self-intervention about relationships. And this has some great classic lines in it, like, we're children, we're not men. And George goes, no, we're not. And he's like, we're pathetic. And George goes, like, I don't know that I'm pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of those exchanges. And they sort of agree to be get serious about changing their lives. Yeah, they, they say, like, it, it would be nice to care for someone for a change. <laughs> um, there's there's a, a little bit of a, a pause. And George's like, you know who I've been thinking about a lot lately? And he says he's been thinking about Susan, the, the woman from NBC. And Jerry chimes in. This was this was weird, and this is probably just a, a product of of like uh, the mid nineties. 
but he's like, didn't she become a lesbian? And George's like, it didn't take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. Like that's slightly, slightly off kilter. <laughs> I won't even say problematic. I'll just say it's off kilter. It, it is for sure. And, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll say like that's that's just a par for the course for like 1995. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lifestyle <laughs> choice was still very much a phrase that was in the mainstream. <laughs> like it, it was. Uh, everyone thought like, yeah, it's definitely a choice that you are actively making. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And if you want to not choose to do that, you can just choose to do the other thing. Go back to doing the other thing. <laughs> and so over in... Oh, yeah, one thing I like about that exchange is like, yeah, you know, she was good looking. I mean, you thought she was good looking, right? And Jerry's like, this is what I'm talking about. It shouldn't matter what I think. <laughs> and George like gets defensive. Like, I was just asking, okay? But if Jerry would have said, eh, I guess so, then George might have gone, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, my friends don't think she's attractive. I can't date someone my friends don't think is attractive. <laughs> Uh, that just the kind of changes they're talking about making. So up in the apartment, Jerry is calling Melanie again because of these life changes. You know what? So what? She shushed me. You know what? He says, you can shush me anytime you want. And he's like, all right, great. And then he says, happy pappy. <laughs> and he's, and then we only get one half of the phone calls. So he was like, I don't know. It's an expression. <laughs> And Kramer comes in. Superman's on the bookshelf and the fridge. So season seven, still there. Mm -hmm. uh, and he tells Jerry there isn't more to life. He knows exactly <laughs> what Jerry's thinking immediately. He's like, oh, you're thinking there's more to life? There isn't. Marriage, children, they're prisons. They're man-made prisons. And one of the things that he brings up is like, you can't watch TV when you eat anymore because you have to talk about your day. How was your day today? This is great. This is another greatest hits Seinfeld clip of, of Kramer instructing Jerry on to like what you know life is like when you are not a single guy who has no no care in the world. Yeah, I, where is this coming from with Kramer and all of his infinite wisdom of long term relationships? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if maybe he was married, like in his twenties or something like that. I could see not you know Kramer not telling mm, anybody about that. That's he's, true. I mean, he he's did a mystery anyway. He yeah. hid his first name from his best friends for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, Years. And I mean, it it has been established that Kramer is a little bit older than them, right? Like maybe, maybe I don't like know if it's been established, like one but, or two years, maybe. But it sure seems like it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he had like maybe not a kid, but definitely like a young <laughs> wife wherever he grew up. You know, when they you know got married in his in his early twenties or something like that, and uh, and that's led him to this point. But yeah, he said it's, he said it's a sad state of affairs having to talk about your day and be interested in someone else's day. Jesus. <laughs> I will say though that when I got married, we ate, ate the oh, the thing that stopped us from eating in front of the TV was kids because like they wouldn't eat. You know, it got to the point where they would were a looking at what was on TV and sometimes that wasn't appropriate or B like they also would not eat. They wouldn't eat. They couldn't do both. Like mm -hmm. we could eat while we watched TV, but they couldn't do both. And so I say they, but Declan never did it. Um, but Colleen, you know, we would, we would, we were like, why should we stop eating in front of the TV? Just cause we have a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we, then we eventually, we did eventually. Yeah. I mean, we eat in front of the TV, like pretty much every meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we do on Friday and Saturday nights. Those are our TV <laughs> and dinner, TV dinner nights. It's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> but that's what I like, too, that like TV is more interesting than anything that anyone you actually know and care about could have done. What do you mean I can't watch TV anymore when I, when I eat? God. 
<laughs> so over at the seashore, we get a shot. Uh, we're outside again, which I love. We're outside. We're like actually outside, not on a soundstage or anything. Yeah. At least it doesn't look like it. Yeah. I, yeah. I want more of this. Sun. I want more of this yeah. in seasons to come. Like, I want more outside shots, whether it's like on a back lot or whether it's on location, just something. Yeah, and they did a great job. I'm guessing it was L.A. because any outdoor shots like have to be L.A. If this is supposed to be in New York, I don't know where this is supposed to be. That's the weird thing. Yeah, but they did make a they did do a good job of making it look like the Atlantic or a bay. Like there's no surfers, there's no everyone's bundled up. It's uh you know, they did a did a good job of making it look like I don't know, the Coney Island boardwalk or something like that. Or and if not or if not the Atlantic, like uh the a bay of some sort, you know, Hudson Bay or, or whatever body of water Coney Island is next to. <laughs> um there's no huge waves or anything that you associate with the Pacific. It very much looks like a a crisp day on uh, a boardwalk somewhere in Manhattan or the outlying boroughs. I thought they did a good job making it look like that. And you can see George sort of being very contemplative and he's watching couples and he's watching families and seeing how much in love they are. Back at the apartment, Elaine comes in. She got three hours of sleep because of this dog. She lost her voice. And I was wondering how... How'd she do that? Is this acting or did she actually lose her voice? I don't know. Maybe she lost her voice um, like er, like the day before they were set to start shooting because it's not a big plot point that, that she doesn't have a voice, you know? And ma- they just decided like, yeah, but- uh, we'll, we'll cover for it by saying you lost it screaming at the dog. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that like what came first, her losing the voice or the... <laughs> the plot of this show or what 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 did it and i say like you know i was like how'd she do that if that's acting that's pretty amazing but if you can hear like i lost my voice yesterday because i was outside all day at this event like shouting through a mask and over a generator and now i've like lo- i've lost my voice so i'm like oh, i guess it just happens you lose your voice sometimes Jeez. i yeah, i lost my do what you gotta do i lost my voice um i think friday nights because i came home and uh and grace was telling me like did you see what this person posted on facebook and i'm like no and they and she's like oh well it was like this and this and that i grabbed the pillow put it over my face and just screamed as loud as i could into the pillow felt great by the way uh (laughs) until i was done and and i was like talking like this for about a couple of hours it it was one it was one scream that did me in my, my my teenage self going to all of these shows would be so disappointed in me. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely screamed into a pillow and lost my voice. Yeah, totally. <laughs> into the next day, I would say. God, I haven't I haven't gotten that yeah. bad yet, but damn. <laughs> um, that's just to go back to Kramer's conversation. It, it was a kid that made me do that. <laughs> it was a child, my own child. <laughs> Uh, that frustrated me to that extent. Um, I'm holding on by a thread at all times. Uh, up in the apartment, yeah, so uh, Elaine lost her voice, and, and I think it's amazing that if, if, that Elaine actually does not have a voice, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus actually doesn't have a voice. And Kramer suggests something happening to the dog, and I like, when Jerry realizes, he's like, are you gonna talking about rubbing out the dog or something like that? Are you going to rub out the dog? Are you suggesting they rub out the dog? I, I just love that uh, phrasing that he uses. And Kramer says he knows a guy who specializes in something like this. And cut to Newman. It's Newman, of course. And he's smoking in the shadows of his apartment and talking about what he, you know, his services to Elaine and and Kramer. And Elaine just can't do that to a dog. Good on her. 
that she doesn't feel like murdering a dog. And so Kramer suggests, uh, I guess, dog napping to to use a phrase. Like, what if we just, uh, you know, took the dog somewhere else? Yeah, he, and he then the dog would be alive and gone. Yeah, he just uh, he gets the idea like it, it'll have a new home upstate. And and then like that alleviates all of the guilt in his mind because <laughs> the guilt is only in yeah, killing yeah. the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not ripping the dog away from a loving family that has it. Although I, I got to say, like if a dog is being left outside barking at the top of its lungs, the owner, something's up. You know, I mean, like the owner should be doing something about that. Yes, absolutely. Either like it, the dog wants to come inside or it needs to. Yeah, something that it's not a great owner that the no, dog has. right but now. I'll say at, it at, at, at Kramer's or yeah, at Kramer's idea of like kidnapping the dog instead of killing it. Newman is visibly upset. Like it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we could do that. <laughs> so she, you know, she sort of runs out back at the seashore. Uh, George is remembering scenes with Susan that didn't look familiar to me. Have we seen these? I don't think so. They, these these didn't look like they were from any other episode. <laughs> yeah, they did look like they were from an episode to me, but they didn't look familiar. They just looked like, you know, because they are talking. They look like clips of the show, but we can't hear any dialogue or anything. And I'm like, that's really how these don't look familiar. I don't remember these. I don't remember these. So <laughs> they must have just been other stuff that they filmed. I don't know. And George, uh, you know, as he remembers fondly, Susan, he runs off through a flock of pigeons and this seemed reminiscent of something. I don't know whether it's just like romantic movie cliche or whether it is actually a parody of something. I don't know. I have no idea. Over at Elaine's, she's working on a sweet compact laptop. Oh, my Did you God. See that thing? Yeah, this thing was like two inches thick. <laughs> Looked like a cement brick. <laughs> like, go pick up a cement brick and like put it on your lap. Like, that's what Elaine was using. It was awesome. <laughs> like, your legs would definitely fall asleep working with this thing. <laughs> And it had, like, typewriter-style buttons that were, like, 3D and protruding, not, like, Did flat. Did it really? I, I didn't like, notice yeah. that part. It, it sure looked like it. Wow. <laughs> it sure looked like it. <laughs> it looked like 1990s keyboard, like, plugged in, not, like, flattened or made portable in any other way. Just, like, <laughs> maybe smaller. Yeah. And the, the, the dog starts barking again. And she calls. She can't concentrate. She calls Newman. She says, let's do it. And again, Newman's being super over dramatic about his role in this, and he he says excellent, and takes a drag of his cigarette and goes excellent. God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very uh, evil um, supervillain style. Uh, at the Symphony Cafe, which is now actually I should say still closed because we talked about it before. This is where in season three, episode sixteen, I believe the episode ends when Fran Drescher decides to dump. George over his disgusting eating habits. Oh my god, that was at this place. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, two thirty eight West Fifty Sixth Street, and so we've we've seen it before. It's now the and now and maybe still I don't remember when we talked about it whether it was but Szechuan Garden Restaurant. So it's still a restaurant, but mm. it's not the Symphony Cafe anymore. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Jerry is there on another date with Melanie the Shusher, and she's eating her peas one at a time, which visibly infuriates Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> she, she she says like oh, I gotta what, admit, what's, I, what's the hurry yeah. <laughs> I probably would be infuriated as well oh man if uh if she didn't have a good reason as to doing that her reasoning being what's the hurry I think is what infuriates me not the act of eating the peas one by one because this is something that I would definitely do just to annoy Grace 
Like if, <laughs> if if I wanted her to like be mad at me for a stupid reason, I would eat something comically slow like this. Yeah, you like peas are best because they're small in great volume. Then you actually get what they taste like. One pea you can't even barely taste. <laughs> it's like eating a grain of rice. Could you imagine eating one grace one <laughs> one grain of rice at a time? Yeah, yeah. She eats her rice one grain at a time. <laughs> God. Okay, well, that's uh, that's psychopathy. That's what that is. Uh, yeah, so George knocks on Susan's door, and he proposes marriage. And that's where we get the Hulu ad break. I'm sure there was an actual ad break when the episode aired as well. With that, with a cliffhanger like that, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, you've, uh, you've got to try and sell people some products after that. Oh, yeah. They're calling George's parents. George calls his parents. Susan is there. And his parents... his his. Mom is very happy, but they're they're bickering immediately. I loved a couple of exchanges here when he's like, Mom, getting married. She's like, You're getting married. And she yells to Frank, Frank, come here. And he goes, You come here. <laughs> I, I loved that exchange. And then also, I forget who asked him whether it's, oh, it, it is Frank again. He's like, George is getting married to a woman. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And then they start asking whether she's pretty or not. And, uh, you know, oh, and, and this is another great one where I want to talk to her. Let me talk to her. Yeah. And, and, and Frank, like, Hi, I just want to let you know, I, I love your I love your son very much. May I ask why? <laughs> that, that's that's a good one. And then Frank uh, saying, like, oh, let me talk to her. And just like grabbing the phone out of Estelle's hands and like trying to rip it away. And it sounds like, no, I'm on the phone. And then he just, it cuts back to George and Susan and Susan like sits down the phone and you can only hear like, ah, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. And George then just like pl- places it back on the cradle. <laughs> like it's, it's not getting any better from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before she changes her mind again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Over in the apartment, Jerry and Kramer meet in the hallway, and Kramer has rope and whatever you, whatever you call that dog catching tool, like the noose on the end of a stick, whatever that thing is. He's got one of those too, <laughs> and he's trying to play it cool. And Jerry asks him about the rope, and he's like, uh, "Um, what do you? Oh, I got rope. Uh, what do you oh, know? Look at uh, that. All right, I'll see you later." <laughs> yeah, and then leaves with that. He's like, "You're gonna get the dog, aren't you?" Uh, and George comes up. He's ecstatic you know kramer won't stick around to hear the news but he tells jerry that they're engaged and jerry's ecstatic for his friend and and he says that you know that lunch with jerry changed his life he says i feel like a man now now i'm a man not a child anymore like we were talking about (laughs) and jerry all you know is like well this is you know this is great and and george is like well i know you're not getting married but how are things with melanie and Jerry broke up with her because she eats her peas one at a time. So he really hasn't changed at all, which infuriates George because Jerry shook hands on a pact. What about mm-hmm. the pact? Yeah. That we were going to change and start being serious about the women that we were with in our relationships. And Jerry has to reconvince. Like, Jerry doesn't. He's like, you put out your hand and I shook it. There was no pact. <laughs> and George, now that Jerry's not going through with it, and we know how much George looks up to Jerry. But now that Jerry is just doing the same thing he's always done, you can see George, like, second guessing himself. Yeah, George wants to do the same thing he's always done. Yeah. But he thought they were both going to now be married guys together. We're single guys. <laughs> now we're going to be married guys. And our wives are going to be friends. And it's going to be like we see on TV or whatever. But Jerry has to reconvince him that the engagement is a good thing. And George is like, still not sure. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he starts like backing out of the apartment. And Jerry's like, wait a minute. We got to celebrate. How about some some champagne? <laughs> and George is like, yeah, okay. And he gets, it gets him back into it. And Jerry like looks all around his apartment. He's like, you know what? Champagne. I'll, uh, 
I'll see you later. <laughs> this, this was this was incredible. This this had to be improv, right? I mean, the scene might have been written, but this this, I, this I don't know, ending maybe chalk this it up ending to, bit I don't know. this ending bit I'm I'm guessing had to be just with with how like they're both acting and and George's like he even like gestures he's like back 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 out to the hallway and Jerry's like yeah okay <laughs> they're, they're just nodding there's no verbal communication but it's just all like body language just slowly like walks back out and that's it that's the scene yeah I, I wrote early cringe comedy I mean you can write you can make a direct line from this to the office like just it's the direct line seeing this and and seeing the office is like they sit on it for so long and i'm surprised not one of them like didn't look at the camera and like jim the camera (laughs) (laughs) like uh hmm, okay Uh, all right it's it it was brilliant it was a a new thing like seinfeld's learning new skills it's evolving in the van to go get the dog we have elaine newman and Kramer, I this was one of the again. Uh, you can draw a direct line from this scene to absurdist comedy, like I don't know, Community or or something else. But Newman is singing, "How much is that doggy in the window?" And Kramer goes, "Is that a new song?" <laughs> what? <laughs> that had to be improv. I'm like, was that improv? Is that a new song? <laughs> you mean the song from the 1900s? <laughs> I loved it. it had nothing to do. Oh my gosh. That's like one of my favorite Seinfeld moments that I did not remember. <laughs> Is that a new song? <laughs> God damn it. And Newman's like, all right, I'm going in. Uh, to get the dog. Uh, back over at George's, Jerry is picking up George for a movie they talked about earlier. All right, well, uh, we'll go see Firestorm tonight. And George can't go because Susan doesn't have anything to do and doesn't want to go see Firestorm. She wants to go see The Muted Heart. Uh, and Jerry remarks that it's a movie with Glenn Close and Sally Field. It's not real. This is not a real movie. Just like uh, Firestorm is not a real movie. Okay, yeah. damn. But they did a good job casting the perfect Beaches-style romantic movie, you know, woman <laughs> friendship movie, whatever you want to call that. Glenn Close and Sally Field in The Muted Heart. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry's like, uh, all right, well, we could, we could share a cab. We're both going to the theater. And... Susan's like, George, are you going to get ready? He's like, I'm ready. She's like, you're wearing that shirt? <laughs> and Jerry takes that as his cue to leave. And married life is already a prison for George. Ugh, he's not even yeah. married yet. I do have to agree that you don't have to get dressed up to go to the movies. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a weird take, I think. He was wearing like a long sleeve collared yeah, polo. Yeah, there's like, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Um, and back in the van, Newman comes in and he's got the dog that's been making the ruckus. And it turns out it's a tiny little Yorkie. And Elaine can't, can't believe it's the, she's like, this can't be the dog. Let's get it to bark. I'll recognize the bark. <laughs> and they all start yelling bark in this dog's <laughs> face. And the dog, I also loved this scene. This was also absurd and cr- crazy. Like literally Kramer, Newman and Elaine are yelling bark at the dog. And the dog is just staring forward. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Bark, but like, I, I, has has Elaine never seen a dog before? Because like, I know that the smaller the dog, the louder the bark, or yeah, or, or the, or the yeah. more persistent the bark, I should say. Yeah, 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 that's true. And yeah, the more persistent and rhythmic, and yeah, and, and sometimes like the the meaner, like oh, oh yeah, like like, oh, uh, yeah. like I, I'm I'm way more afraid of like a little ankle biter than I than I am of of. Grace and I's seventy-five pound pit mix. It depends on the context, but I might be, I might be as well. <laughs> yeah, because you think you you think you're like, oh, this dog, you know, we're just playing or whatever, and then it actually takes a bite out of you or whatever. You're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, it clamps down like a like a crocodile. Jeez. 
won't let go. Uh, so cut to the Cineplex Odeon, which is still closed. And I say still because we've also seen this theater before. And I referenced this episode when we were talking about the Buddy Rich tapes, season five, episode 22, the opposite when George tells those guys to shut up. Uh, that happened here. And Elaine, it's where she buys Juji Fruits before going to see Jake Jarmel in the hospital. And he finds out that she stopped to buy candy before going to see him after his car accident. Oh, my and, God. Uh, that was at the same, yeah. <laughs> 1987 Broadway. It's not there anymore. But this is also the theater where there's a giant AMC Cineplex that, uh, right across the street that probably led to this tiny two-theater uh, Cineplex to close down. And Susan is in there bawling at the end of The Muted Heart. And George, who is in a button-up and a sweater vest, too, <laughs> um, he's uninterested in whatever she has to say about the movie. What was the question she had about the movie? Did you write it down? Like, do you think they'll ever find him again or something like that? I, I think that's exactly it. I think it was like, do you think she'll yeah. ever find him again? <laughs> Yeah, George's like, I sure hope so, or something like that. But, but meanwhile, Jerry is coming out of the theater from seeing Firestorm. With I'm, I'm guessing he just asked another friend to go, because uh, I, I don't think Jerry's the type of person to go see a, a movie by himself. Um, and what what were oh, interesting? And uh, what was what was Jerry say? Or, or it could have just been somebody he met at the theater, and they, they were just having such a good time watching the movie. But uh, I, I don't remember what they were saying here, though. Well, he was like, what about that part when he's like jumps out of the plane and he turns around and he's firing back at the plane? That's one of the things I remember. And then somebody else, like then the guy mentioned something that tops that. What about this scene? And Jerry's like, oh, yeah. See, I took it as uh, that's interesting, though. I, I kind of agree with you that Jerry probably wouldn't do something. But then again, he likes being alone. He likes being by himself. But even people who like being alone think going to a movie by yourself is weird. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just because I just took it as like an audience member. It's like I that they were like, oh, man, you know, they just started <laughs> randomly talking at the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, don't know. I'll I'll go to a movie by myself. I don't I don't care. Um, I've if, seen hundreds of movies by myself. Once you do it, you're like, oh, this is not weird. In fact, this is preferable. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like this. I don't have to make a conversation it, like in the trailers and then awkwardly try to like keep up that conversation at a very hushed tone. <laughs> Yeah, and you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to worry that the person you're going with wants to see it, or if they're going to enjoy it, or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 the way to go see movies. Um, I'm down with it. And George is uh, is obviously kind of like jealous that that J- Jerry got to see Firestorm and he had to go see The Muted Heart uh, in the van. This is another great moment from the van. Just so absurd and dumb. Kramer's like, let's turn on the radio. Maybe there's a news report about it. Yes, the s- n- small dog <laughs> stolen from apartment in New York City is the top in New York City is the top story on 1010 wins. J- just Maybe like there's a news report. About it. Just like uh, uh, man, what was her name? Last episode. Nancy Kerrigan and the, no, uh, the Janice? No. Oh, Bette Midler, Bette Midler. Just, yeah, yeah. Just like Bette Midler was the top story for getting injured in a softball game. <laughs> that did, no no even reported injuries. Just, oh, she she got <laughs> knocked down and, and she's in the hospital. No one knows for what, but she she's injured. Oh, no. They, they should get thrown in prison. <laughs> I would venture to say, like, that's at least a little more believable. Like, okay, that affects, like, a Broadway show. That's a huge industry. Like, a brand new Broadway show loses its star in the week it's opening or whatever. And and Bette Midler, who is, like, you know, an, uh, maybe she even got an Oscar, but whatever. She's, like, you know, a, a one of the icons of entertainment. Like, is it, like, that's a story that's our top story at noon, and it's gone by six. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gone by the, the evening newscast. This but, is, this yeah, is not something that even, top story. this is not something that even registers in the top news it's a lost dog this this belongs on a <laughs> on a phone pole 
Yeah, like they probably haven't even called the police. They're like, oh, our dog escaped. I guess we better go out and look for our dog. <laughs> I love the Kramer things. They pulled off the heist of the century. And uh, yeah, so let's turn on the radio. Maybe there's a news story. And, you know, they're all like getting antsy and like, all right, can we can we put the dog out? We're, uh, we're practically to Monticello. And I say Monticello. Do you say Monticello I, I don't Monticello? Think, I don't think I've ever actually said this word out loud. I, I, it's probably Monticello. That, that, that's what I would yeah, have guessed. Yeah. Yeah, I say Monticello, and because that's the uh, you know where Thomas Jefferson lived in Charlottesville. That's the name of his house, um, and it, the the town is named after Thomas Jefferson's uh, residence, Monticello. But maybe it's it must be a regional thing where in New York they say yeah, Monticello. Is, the, I don't know. Is this another like hyper New York thing? Yeah, it, it very well might like be, I, or it might be a mistake where an LA person doesn't know how to pronounce oh, an East Coast maybe, location. You know, maybe Monticello's in Virginia. Mon- Monticello, the town, is in New York. So true. But also, like, yeah, it could at, be he's, he looked at it. Yeah, are we supposed to know that that Monticello is a long ways away from New York City? Because I, uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. I guess exactly. I, I looked it up, and it's about an hour and a half from Manhattan, about ninety miles. Okay. Yeah. And so Kramer takes the dog out of the van and drops the dog out here. This is your new home. And when he puts the dog down, the dog rips his shirt. And this is where we get some of the worst ADR. Uh, oh, this was bad. History. This was real bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, definitely not as bad and, as Saddam Hussein. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I did go back to see if this was Larry David because it didn't sound like Michael Richards. <laughs> I was like, is this Larry David just going, rah, rah, this shirt's from Rudy's. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's part of it sounded like Michael Richards, but definitely like the last like uh, exasperation was Larry David. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe it's a mix. Yeah. But I do love that he yells, this shirt is from Rudy's. <laughs> God. I don't know what that means. I have no idea. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so the dog gets a, a part of Kramer's shirt and it has it in his mouth. Uh, back at George's, Jerry calls because they're rerunning the Yankee game uh, that <laughs> yeah. I guess they missed when they went to the movies. Oh, but okay. Susan, I I was yeah. I was so confused at like what Yankee game? Just the Yankee game? Is it like is it a game. like really special one? Did something big happen? <laughs> My guess is that it was something from earlier in the day that they both had missed okay. or whatever. That yeah, that, that, see. that makes Again, a lot more sense. I still don't understand the point of rewatching sporting events. Like in, in the middle of the pandemic, like that's what they were all showing. Like, <laughs> here's, the, here's the 2002 playoff game between the whatever and who gives a shit. It's like, why would you watch that again? Why wouldn't you just Google the score? Man, like, I'll, I'll, I don't understand. I'll tell you, though, Super Bowl 24 against the whatevers and the who gives a shits. It was a great game. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> they were running just random games like <laughs> playoff games and stuff like and it's like not even the highlights. Like I can understand it watching the, the highlights game. of the game. Yeah, you're watching all the most boring parts <laughs> of the game. Oh, my God. I just I don't I don't understand it. And, and it's like. If you missed a game, guess what? They play 162 times in a season. <laughs> look up, like, wait till you get to tomorrow's paper. I know you, I, was, I almost said, look it up on the internet, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> Why don't you just look it up, Jerry? Ask somebody on the, yell out your window and someone will know the Yankee score. Or wait till the paper, like you missed a game. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I can understand in the days before the internet why rerunning a game would be. I, I talked myself back into the other way of thinking. Like, <laughs> okay, watching maybe, the game. Maybe, maybe it's not a such a bad later. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Susan yells from the back room, George, come to bed. I taped Matt about you. God. And George 
George uh, says, George once again accuses Jerry of backing out of the deal. And Jer- Jerry goes, I shook your hand. That's not a deal. And George goes, that's a deal where I come from. And Jerry goes, we c- came from the same place. <laughs> I loved all of that. And I also love Seinfeld taking the piss out of a, a an NBC show I think was on the exact same night as them. Was it really? Back- yeah, Whoa. yeah. I'm almost certain this was part of the Thursday night lineup. And I love that they're like, this show is garbage. Only boring married couples watch it. But like George, <laughs> That's what George, I get out of it. George has gone past being a bored married guy to being like a bored retiree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, when I was, again, way too young to understand the nuances of a young married couple living in Manhattan, which is what Mad About You is about. I loved this show and I had a girlfriend that loved this show and like she idolized Helen Hunt in this show and like wanted to be Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt and like it was just the weirdest thing to someone like you want to I don't even know what Helen Hunt did in that show but I know Paul Reiser was a documentary filmmaker or something weird like that (laughs) something completely unattainable you know and they lived in this beautiful New York apartment and it was just the weirdest thing for a a kid in high school to be um, to be watching yeah even weirder than Seinfeld. But I just love, too, that it's like the the show couples watch together, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We get a shot of the dog scampering home or down the road, a dog scampering down the road, the little Yorkie with the shirt in his mouth. Uh, We get a shot of Elaine sleeping peacefully. We get a shot of George, who has been pushed to the side by Susan, who is the big spoon. Yeah, George spooning situation. (laughs) George is the little spoon. (laughs) Yeah. and, And he's completely falling off the side of the bed. Jerry is completely sprawled out on his bed all alone. I noticed also there's like issues of Sports Illustrated. Just thrown on the bed too. Like, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. Oh my god! Yeah. Like ah uh, yes, then- the Happy Bachelor <laughs> reads Sports <laughs> Illustrated, has his bed to himself, and that does whatever he wants. <laughs> and then a shot of Kramer, who is having a bad dream, where he's dressed as Tom Sawyer. It looked like he's got a corncob pipe and a straw hat and like a homemade fishing pole. And he, I think he might even be wearing overalls. And he's being attacked by the dog. <laughs> Just so weird that they put him in that. Again, another bit of surreal comedy. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. And then we see the dog crossing what I'm guessing is the George Washington Bridge because I did a little bit of uh, googling. And it would take a human one day and five hours to walk from Monticello to Manhattan. (laughs) So, yeah, the back, you know, so the dog crosses the George Washington Bridge. I was like, the dog's going to have to cross a bridge. And sure enough, they show a bridge that I'm only guessing was the GW um, and shows up back at the dog, back at his apartment. The dog's name is Roxy, we find out. And there's still the shirt with the Rudy's tag sewn into it that the dog has in his mouth. And Elaine wakes up to the barking dog, which has impossibly made a one day, five hour journey in just a matter of hours. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't know. Maybe maybe it encountered a kind soul and maybe maybe Roxy hitchhiked for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, on the back of an open pickup truck that happened to be going the, the right way. Yeah, but then uh, she decided just to bark incessantly. And and maybe this driver had the same thought. Like, I'm going to drop you off just outside of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can run across the bridge. That's probably what happened. <laughs> uh, in, in the apartment, Elaine can't tell Jerry who the mastermind is. Uh, but Jerry tells Elaine 
about George, and we get a great get out from Elaine where she pushes George, Jerry, she pushes him so hard that like you can see him bracing for the fall in the way that like they probably needed a stunt coordinator on set that day. They were like, all right, you cross your arms. You can see him like crossing his arms to to fall back on whatever they, <laughs> they had back there for him. When Elaine pushes him, you can see him bracing for the push and the fall. I thought it was pretty uh, <laughs> pretty interesting. And over at oh, the, so the cop show up to Kramer's door and he's under arrest because they found the shirt piece and somehow connected I guess maybe they went to Rudy's and asked who bought this shirt and then Rudy pointed him in Kramer's direction I guess that's how it happened uh, well he they, they said they had a, a rental car receipt with his name on it and yeah. and the springs in the back seat were so compressed that they almost collapsed the the entire right <laughs> side of the vehicle yeah, and that's at that at that point Jerry goes Newman. <laughs> uh, but how did they connect the shirt to Kramer? That's how they connected it. Hmm. I, I I guess that well well they didn't necessarily connect the shirt to him. I guess they just found like the rental car, like cars that were rented last yeah. night, and they decided to follow up on Kramer because it's just a, a car that was returned damaged. And then they asked him, Hey, do you know anything about this shirt? interesting i still think that's like a lot of yeah because they're, and he's like oh yeah i got oh, oh uh, and then he remembers to play it cool because the dog ripped that part of the shirt yeah they, they, a lot they originally of to do to like look at all of the yeah like connect a rental van to a dog napping well they they originally a, it's it's my idea they didn't originally show up regarding the dog napping at all they showed up regarding the rental car I think they showed up regarding the dog napping because they had the shirt. Oh, that's true. If they showed up regarding the rental car, they wouldn't have even had the shirt. That's true. Oh. Yeah, this is a lot of work so, for, for like, yeah, they, a yeah. missing dog case. Yeah, they had, like, a, and they also had, like, a psychic working for them who was able to connect a, a ripped <laughs> shirt that has the name Rudy in it to Kramer and then connect Kramer to the rental car that was damaged and then connect the rental car to the dog napping as well. Just kind of... Yeah, it must have been a psychic working for them or, or Sherlock Holmes or something. But I do love when, you know, they show up to Newman's and he comes out and he goes, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, just playing the supervillain. Uh, in the cop car, it's Newman. And, oh, I, I do love that when, you know, Elaine sees the cops, she turns tail and, like, immediately goes back into Jerry's apartment. Like, oh, uh, you know. But Elaine does get snapped up in the whole thing, and while Kramer and Newman and Elaine are in the back of the cop car, like, bickering, Elaine starts kind of going over the same speech that uh, Jerry and George had at the beginning of the episode, saying, I I'm not a woman, I'm a child, I've, I've got to make some changes in my life, and stuff <laughs> like that. And then we get one little more, one more epilogue, and it's George and Susan uh, watching Mad About You. You can hear the credits rolling and the theme song, and George has a look on his face like, what the like just uh, like confused disgust and susan is just loving it mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it oh boy all right so what do we have for homework this week i didn't write down anything i didn't either wow okay we're starting season seven yeah. off with a bang <laughs> i like it okay uh cover art this week what do you what do you like what do you like visually about Ooh. this episode maybe what maybe jerry and george shaking maybe the pact the initial pact uh that might be good okay i also don't mind everybody be, yeah. I, I don't mind everybody yelling at the dog yeah that's funny yeah i feel like that story was just to give julia louis dreyfus and kramer maybe not even kramer just to give Ju julia louis dreyfus something to do that episode so they didn't like make her mad and completely write her out like happened to 
Jason Alexander a couple times early in the early in the series, and he threatened to walk. Mm. So, but uh, but I like that too. I like it is one of the funniest parts of the of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Besides that, um, maybe George George running through the pri- pigeons. It's not funny, but it would make a good picture. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or maybe just uh, maybe just George being a total wife guy, being the little spoon, or or watching Mad About You, <laughs> yeah. or, or or crying in the movie theater or something. Just just wife guy George. Yeah, yeah, ignoring Susan, yeah, crying about the muted heart. <laughs> uh, okay, so for, let's see if we can come up with a better description. We had, in an effort to grow up, George proposes marriage to former girlfriend Susan. I like the way the ter- way they use in an effort to grow up, but what about just like Jerry and George make an effort to grow up? Yeah, yeah, I like that. In, in an effort, in an effort to grow up, uh, it, in an effort to grow up, Jerry and George decide to, uh, Decide to chase after Make changes. mature relationships. How about pursue? Pursue relationships. mature relationships. That's that's what I was thinking of. That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean it's it's wordy. Um, but I, I don't hate it. Okay. I mean we can I'm just say like it. Jerry and George decide to make changes. What was oh D- Jerry and George what was the um oh and G- Jerry and George make an effort to grow up. Yeah, yeah, that that works. You click read more, then you'll get the the lengthier synopsis. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. All, all right, we're, we're we're in our own minds writing two different s- descriptions: one shorter, one longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so let's get into Newman's mail sack. I got something real quick from Nick Kudla uh, in New York, who and and I feel bad because Nick wrote to us uh, after. Our episode had come out of us asking, hmm, is Dwayne Reed only in New York? And is it pronounced Reed or Reedy? But this was, uh, he emailed us after we had already recorded the next episode. And by the time that I saw this, I was like, all right, I'm going to mention it in the next episode. I forgot. So this was a a couple of Uh. weeks ago at this point. But Nick Kudla, uh, credit to him uh, on the Dwayne Reed stuff. He says, loving the episodes as always regarding the Dwayne Reed. They are mostly in New York. I believe it is pronounced Reed, no E. We also do have other pharmacies, CVS, Walgreens, etc. Also, love the PJ Skidoo's reference. I grew up in North Virginia and always passed by there and saw an ambulance. So I always called it the ambulance bar. But I think that it is still <laughs> there, though. Anyways, keep up the great work. P.S. Love the sticker. <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to Nova. <laughs> I, I I didn't know there'd be another person in the entire world who knew what PJ Skadoos was. <laughs> well, if you grew up in Fairfax, you know <laughs> PJ Skadoos or Burke or Vienna, any one of those probably. And we also got uh, a piece of mail from Caroline Kearns. Caroline says, hi, Ted and Tim. I'm not sure if your podcast is still active or not, but figured I would message you. I started listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago on Spotify and absolutely love it. When I started watching Seinfeld, it was mostly to learn English. English is my second language. And of course, a lot of jokes escaped me rewatching episodes now and listening to your podcast right after is absolutely amazing and i'm learning so much i'm currently listening to season three episode 14 even when the episodes aren't great you two are making me laugh continuously thank you for everything have a great week caroline that is awesome cool thanks <laughs> i i read this and i'm like that's so cool that that's so cool that someone's yeah. like learning english from seinfeld <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Right. I would love if they picked up just all the Seinfeld mannerisms. Like, <laughs> oh his, my uh, god, yeah. Hopefully, Caroline, yeah. you're not learning relationships from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Good lord, like, but Br- even just like the, the <laughs> like the timber of his voice, or anytime George gets upset, like, come on, 
I'm getting upset. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, ma- you know it turns out maybe Seinfeld isn't the best show to learn English from. <laughs> Caroline, what have you done? Uh, all right, that's let's... awesome though. We are still active, uh, unlike yes. Here's the deal. Oh, burn! Oh. Another burn on Here's the deal, or whatever that one was called. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> We, yeah. we we try and create so many like fake beefs on this show and nothing <laughs> nothing pans out. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Caroline, thank you so much. Uh let's uh and Nick, thank you as well. Let's zip Newman's mail sack back up. Okay, so next week we have got season seven, episode two, the postponement. Original air date, September twenty-eighth, nineteen ninety-five. If you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are gonna see feeling overwhelmed. George wants to postpone marrying Susan. Oh boy, already. Already. Oh man. Sounds like George. (laughs) All right, that sounds good. Uh, So is that it? That's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. (laughs) 